Welcome back. We are starting today with Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. We touched on it yesterday. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Think about, think about that word, about. God's telling them that it's coming, and he's telling you and me that it's coming, that we can expect persecution. Remember this, a faith that hasn't been tr- tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. I'll say that again. A faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. What does that mean? It means that there's purpose in the test. There's purpose in the trial and the persecution and the suffering. Not that God wants to see us suffer, not that we enjoy going through that suffering, but we should count it all joy because God tells us to. And he says, when you go through trials, not if we go through trials. James 1-2 tells us that. I'll read that verse. It says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And 1 Peter 5-10 tells us why suffering is beneficial to us. So if you ever say, why is there suffering in this world? We can spend a whole session or a couple sessions on that. But let's talk about what it says in verse First uh, Peter five nine, it says, Re- "Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world." Verse ten. But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So suffering helps perfect us to establish us, to strengthen us, and to settle us. There is purpose in the suffering. God knows we're going to suffer. He's warning the people. He's warning you. And then in the back half of verse verse 10, it says, Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, that you will have tribulation ten days. Ten days just kind of means a short while, a brief time. We can see that in Genesis 24-55 and Acts 25-6. Acts 25, 6, for example, says, And when he had remained among them more than ten days, he went down to Caesarea. So, our suffering is a brief while. I know it feels like eternity. Trust me, I've gone through them, I go through them at times, and it feels like you're never going to get out of that trial. And some trials do last a lifetime, like Paul had the thorn in his side that was there for the rest of his life. And... Some of our trials will not go away, but we can persevere through them with the power of Christ. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but God tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. If we rest in him, if we reside in him, let him be our Sabbath and just place our faith in him, then we're going to be in a position to be able to persevere through that um, and struggle well, if you would say. And what I want to ask you is, what are you prepared to do when the government comes after you and tells you what you can and cannot do, uh, how you can and cannot worship? For many of our church family uh, around the world, they're risking their lives to worship. Right here in the United States, in California, pastors and congregations, people who attend church, are all being threatened with jail time, and many of them are paying fines to the government. They have freedom to assemble. They have freedom to worship, freedom of religion. We have many freedoms to do this that are given to us in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and the government is completely encroaching upon them right now. So when it comes to you, 
How are you going to respond? Think about that. God says here in verse 10, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful. Remember, for by grace you are saved through faith. He wants us to be faithful, faithful to the things of Christ. And he says, he'll give us the crown of life. That's the winner's crown. It was given at the uh, uh, annual athletics games. And remember that Smyrna, as we talked about, um, had a lot of these annual athletic games and was known for that. And this is the crown. You want to receive that. And you get to receive that if you have Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Indwelling you. James Tell, assured his people that there was nothing to fear, that we are overcomers because Christ is an overcomer, that we are victors in the, ra- in the race of faith. And we get to verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So he who has an ear, that's you. You have an ear, that's me. I have an ear. Let him hear. So we should listen to the things of God. For some of us, God may speak audibly at times. He never has with me, uh, but he has with some people that I know. He does speak inaudibly a ton through what I would just call kind of my conscience or my mind, where I can talk to him, ask questions, and literally feel him responding. And sometimes it's not what I want to hear, but as soon as I hear it, I'm like, that makes sense. Yep, I know that's what I got to do. God, that's, that's going to be hard for me. Will you please help me? Uh, but he wants to have that open line of communication. Uh, like Pastor Dave in California says, it's like you wake up, you put him on speakerphone, and he's with you the rest of the day, and it's a two-way conversation. Not Don't think of that as, oh, weird, God's sitting there talking to him, to, talking to me all day. No, again, it's it's because I'm putting the things of God in my mind with reading the Bible, studying the Bible, praying, meditating on the Bible, thinking of the things of God, there's enough in there that he's going to work through the Holy Spirit to bring to mind the things that he wants me to think about, focus on. And so it's that type of a conversation. So it's saying if you have ears, then hear. And even if you don't have ears, that's not an excuse. And I think everybody here in this podcast, because I think that's kind of a requirement of podcasts is that you can hear. But even if you can't hear, you're deaf. And I have several clients who are deaf. Um, you can read, you can read the Bible, you can read different commentaries and sermons and stuff like that. So he's saying this to the churches. Remember, this is yes for the churches along that postal route, those seven churches, but it's also referring to the church ages. And it's also referring to you today because we can learn something from every single one of these letters. And he says, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Jesus overcame. He overcame death. He conquered death on the cross. He rose from the dead. They thought they killed him. They thought they won. The Roman government thought they won. The uh, Jewish people thought they had won, that they, would kill, they had killed this king who they believed to be a false prophet, a false messiah. They wouldn't worship him. They didn't accept him. They didn't look at the evidence. They didn't see that, oh, he's going to be born in Bethlehem and uh, of the Lion of David and, and all the different prophecies that they fulfilled that he fulfilled they just ignored that and said no hmm so we need to listen we need to study we need to prove ourselves ready and we won't be hurt by the second death we'll go through this many times through revelation but there's a christian is born twice 
dies once. You're born of your mother's womb. Then the moment that you accept Jesus as your Savior, that's your death because you died on the cross with him. He was your substitute. And then you're immediately born again of the Spirit. So that's your second birth. And you won't die again. When you die on earth, we say die, but you don't. You just take your last breath here. Your very next breath is waking up in heaven. That's not a death. It's just going from one life, continuing it in a, in a different realm, if you will, because it's eternal life. The moment you're born again, you have eternal life, never to die again. However, the unbeliever has the opposite. They have two deaths and only one birth. They're born of their mother, then they die on the earth, and then they die again at the uh, great white throne judgment when they're thrown into the lake of fire. We'll study that later in Revelation, so stick around. And the next one is the compromising church, verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, These things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. So this word Pergamos for church uh, comes from the Greek uh, prefix per, which is where we get words like pervert, means opposition. And the gamos, uh, or gamos, is seen in words like monogamy and bigamy, and it means marriage. So it's this objectionable marriage. It is this perverted marriage between in this phase of history where you have uh, church and state basically coming together. And what really happened was substantially outnumbered. Uh, Constantine noticed that Christians were not enlisting in anyone's army. So Constantine became a Christian, or said he was a Christian. I'm not going to say whether he was or wasn't, but this is what church history says, is that he became a Christian believing that he could get the Christians to come and fight uh, on his side to do battle. And it was just a just an ugly side of, uh, of that era. And so we want to be careful when we combine church and state, and to be clear... What the Constitution tells us is that the state is supposed to stay out of the church's business, but the church, it doesn't say the church cannot be uh, in the state's business. It's, it's a wall, but it allows the church to permeate into the state, but not the state into the church. Um, and our government is getting that wrong on a lot of respects right now and uh, trampling on a lot of freedoms that we have, but... We were a country that was built on religious freedom, and uh, we also have the freedom to reject God, and that's largely what's going on in our society right now. So tomorrow we're going to pick up talking about the uh, church at Pergamos, and again, kind of an objectionable marriage there. Lord, thank you so much for this day, and just ask that we would each pour our hearts out to you, to be honest with you, Lord what we're thinking and what we're feeling, not hiding our feelings from you because you know our thoughts. You know everything about us. You know everything we think, everything we do. We can't hide anything from you. Just like Adam and Eve could not hide from you in the garden. So help us to be transparent. Help us to tell you everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because you already know it. And and the prayer is is designed for us, not for you, Lord. It's not to change your mind, it's to change our hearts. Lord, help us to have hearts that seek godly things instead of worldly things. In your amazing name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Now it's time to go and make disciples, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to show people who Jesus is so that we have the right to tell them who Jesus is.
I'd encourage you to share this by social media, text, or email with someone who you think could benefit from learning more about the Word of God. Have a blessed day. Thank you.